Welcome to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, well, here we are. This is week three of Summer Playlist. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I know I have. We're uh, looking at some of our favorite songs that we're hearing on the radio or uh, some of our favorite worship songs. And uh, it's just kind of diving into these songs and then looking at actually some of the lyrics that are really rooted in some solid biblical foundations. That What's so cool is if we dive into Scripture, then we've got actually a song to, that every time we hear, it kind of re-anchors us to that Scripture and goes, oh yeah, this is what God is, is uh, reminding us every time I hear these lyrics. And so I'm excited about week three here. And so I, um, are you guys all excited? Everyone excited? I'm excited. Okay, so everyone give me a drum roll. Okay, do it on your legs at home, everyone watching. Here's our week three song is... Anchor by Skillet. Uh, if you haven't heard this song, maybe you've heard it on Christian radio. You might have actually heard it on just kind of uh, public radio. It's one of my favorites, and it's also another one of the favorites from uh, one of the guys here who's regularly on our worship team. And so check out some words and some thoughts from Ben. Hey, Lakeland, this week uh, we're going to be singing Anchor by Skillet. A couple of the things that really stand out to me in this song are just really the truth that uh, God is there through everything. Uh, the last two years I have gone through divorce, lost my mom, lost my grandma, and it's really made me see that no matter what struggles we go through, that he's always there. And uh, the bridge of the song says, don't let go, I don't wanna do this alone. Don't let go, I know I'll drown on my own. And you're my anchor, so steady me, steady me now. Just reminds me, no matter what we go through. Uh, if we cling to him, we'll make it through. I, I love this song as well. You know, I found myself kind of listening to it a, a handful of times over kind of this whole COVID season, um, just going, all right, God, I need you to be my anchor when things feel kind of unsettled in life. And so I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever face that? Where things where you just kind of feel rattled a little bit or you feel unsettled a little bit kind of in, in, in your heart and you feel a little off or maybe you feel uncertain. Ever, ever, anyone, anyone? I know it's like regular for for me to feel off or to feel unsettled. And it's in those moments that I have to be able to say, okay, what is my heart anchored to in this moment? Do I have anything? Because really, when I think about almost everyone is looking for something solid to hold on to. In fact, that's why so many people struggle with addictions and things like that, is every time that they go to that, they're looking for something that they can control, something they can hold on to. But I think all of us, even those of you who may not say, I, I, I even believe in God, you don't have to believe in God to probably be able to look at this when people go to addictions and, and things like that to have control or to have something to hold on to and be able to say there's got to be a better way. And there is a better way. And that better way is something I want to talk about today. It's an anchor that we can hold on to. The lyrics in the song say this, wave after wave I've been sinking. So unto, listen to this, your promise I'm clinging. You say that I'm strong, to you I belong, keep holding on. You are my anchor, so steady me, steady me now. Uh, what are you holding on to? What do you hold on to in life? What, what holds you kind of in place and, uh, that gets you through hard times? What is the promise that 
you are holding on to? Or do you have a promise that you're holding on to? Because that's what they're talking about in the song. And what is that all about? Today I want to look at just really two verses. I, I think you can handle, you guys can all handle two verses with me. So let me just dive into these two verses. Let me read them to, to us. And then uh, we're going to pick these things apart. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 it says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Next slide. For there, therefore, as we who have fled to him for refuge hold to the hope that lies before us can have great confidence. Next slide. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Okay, so let's talk first. At the beginning of this, he talks about uh, the promise. So let's talk about this promise. It starts by saying that God has both given a promise and an oath. Okay, so in the Old Testament, there's two things that almost always went together. There was a promise and an oath. The promise is this. Promise is what is being said as far as what is being promised. The oath is who it's being said in front of. So picture it like this. Even at a wedding, couples will stand face to face and they make promises, but they make those promises in front of witnesses. And I find this really interesting that even in our modern day kind of law, uh, we have even on a, on a wedding certificate, it'll have uh, the names of those who are obviously being married and it has witnesses. Why? Because even today within our legal system, we still have these, this, this recognition that there's what is said, what is promised, and then who it is promised in front of. This is why we have notaries and things like this. I promise to maybe buy this piece of land and then someone else is witnessing it. And this is actually really, it's, it begins with God by saying this is always how it's been. Here's the promise and then here who it's said in front of. And the promise from God to us is this promise to, that we can always have hope and this hope carries some things with it. That's where we're going to go today. But in regards to the oath, in the earlier verses, verse 13, since there, it says this, since there's no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. I find that funny, but I also find it really uh, reassuring that because there is no stronger, more ironclad witness than God himself. And he's going, listen, there's nothing greater that I can swear by than my own name. So the, the song, uh, when it says, unto your promise I'm clinging, the distinction of the promises of God is that they are unchanging, they are immovable, they are solid. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you had, ever had someone break a promise? Any of you guys ever had someone break a promise on you? Of course we have. And, and as a result of that, we become jaded people who are worn out by promise breakers. You know, politicians make promises and that they may not keep. Um, maybe even a boss made a promise to you that maybe they didn't keep. Friends make promises that they don't keep. And even unfortunately, 50% of those who stand face to face on their wedding day make promises in front of witnesses. And unfortunately, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And so it's kind of no wonder that as a people, we become jaded to promises. It's kind of like, well, the promise is good until the day that you don't keep it. And this is why God says, it really, he makes the oath on himself because he goes, I will never break my promise. I, I will always be here. He, he's saying this promise is forever and sure. I want you, wherever you're at, you here on stage with me as well. I want us all just take a deep breath. I know this sounds a little silly, but kind of take a deep breath. And I want something to settle right now in your heart. 
I want you to allow the truth that God made a promise specifically to you. To just settle on your heart. Just go, God made a promise to you that millions and millions of people have gone before you and they would tell you this promise is true. That thousands of years ago, God made this promise and it's still holding strong. That's a beautiful reality that God made a promise to me and he made a promise to you and it's still going strong. There's this ancient promise from God to you that has one of the greatest treasures that you'll ever discover attached to it. I've done quite a, few, a lot of funerals in, in my days, and um, I've also been alongside people uh, kind of on their deathbed. And what's really interesting is almost every person who would call themselves a Christ follower, when uh, I think about their conversation, their words, at the end of their life, you want to know what all of them talk about? In their own words, they all talk about this promise that Hebrews chapter 6 is talking about. They all talk about it. Now, I know some of you are like, what's the promise? Tell me about it that they're all talking about. Okay, before I get there, let's check this out. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the second half, because it's going to describe the journey to the promise, okay? This, this describes the journey that all of us will take to get to that promise. It says this, therefore, as we who have fled to him for refuge... That describes the journey to this promise is we fled to him for refuge. Those who have discovered the promise have fled to Jesus for refuge. What are we fleeing from? Well, we're fleeing from, as one Bible scholar described it, is just simply uh, the effects and some of the aspects of life in the sinful world. You might be fleeing, or we might have been fleeing. You might have been fleeing from the cycle, this kind of endless cycle of sin or addiction that you've been caught in. And you're like, I just got to get out of this. I got to flee from this. Maybe it's the endless uphill journey trying to conquer this life on your own. Maybe it's the endless pursuit of keeping up with the Joneses uh, and you've never found satisfaction there. Maybe it's the endless pursuit of trying to find lasting significance in this world. It's the endless whatever that has left you. Are you ready for it? Absolutely exhausted. Because you're trying to fill an infinite need with a finite thing, with something that's not divine, something that's not eternal. You'll, you'll never fill the eternal void with something that's temporal here from earth. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you kind of chase that dream your whole life, you're going to get worn out. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said to those who are worn out, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. See, he was talking to all of all these people who were just chasing after things of this world and they're exhausted. And he says, there's a better way. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's ultimately the decision to no longer try to find refuge in myself or the things of this world, but to say I'm going to find it in Jesus. I'm not going to find my refuge in stuff. I'm not going to find my refuge in power. I'm not going to find my refuge in status. I'm not going to find my refuge in likes on social media. I'm not going to find my uh, refuge in my appearance. I'm not going to find my refuge in my title, my job, my influence, my family, my hobby, my whatever. 
See, I can find, here's the deal, I can find a level of joy and satisfaction in all of those things, but I will never find soul satisfaction in any of those things. That can only be found when we take our refuge in Jesus. It's in a relationship with Jesus that we will come to the promise, okay? And so in the next part of the verse, he's going to describe the promise. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, he says, okay, so we fled to him for refuge, and here's the promise that we hold to the, say this next word with me, everyone at home, everyone here on stage, we hold to the hope, the hope that lies before us. This is the promise he's referring to, that with him, with Jesus, you can always have hope. That's what we hold on to. This is the promise we find in Jesus. We find hope for every situation that you'll ever face in life. So what's biblical hope? Let me just kind of give you a definition. Hope is this. It's the confident expectation of what God has promised. Confident expectation. Now I I say, what's a biblical definition of hope? Because I would say biblical hope is very different than worldly hope. Worldly hope is wishful thinking, maybe at best. It's not, but it's not wishful. It's not, I hope my team wins the Super Bowl. I hope the Bears win this year. I know, that's like, uh, immediately, see, all of you are like, Josh, kiss that hope goodbye. See, earthly hope is not very stable. I do hope they win, though. Uh, but, or I hope I get a raise from my boss, or I hope, that, that's uncertain. Uh, biblical hope is really not hope so, it's no so. It's what you know, it's this confidence of what a confident expectation of what God has promised. Without oh, biblical hope carries something that seems a little illogical, but it's really not illogical at all because it's based on his promises. Uh, I, I've used this illustration before. I, I picture it like this. Like imagine Christmas Day and your kids, maybe if you've got kids, they, they come downstairs and you say, our kids, before you come on into the family room, go into the dining room and we'll tell you when you can come on out and come rushing into the family room. And you can imagine kind of what that's like. As, as the kids are waiting, you want to know what they have? They have hope. They have great hope for what they're going to find when they get called into the family room. But I can promise you this. As they are waiting in the dining room to be called in, they're not sitting there talking to one another and saying, hey, guys, do you think there's going to be gifts for us? Their other sibling is like, I give a 50-50 chance. Like, no one's doing that. None of the kids are like 50-50, maybe, perhaps. No, they're waiting with hope of what they expect and know is going to be there. It's not a hope so. It's a no so. That's biblical hope. That we don't sit there going, man, I'm just wishing. I, I know. Hope comes with some really awesome things attached to it. Uh, when we think about biblical hope, they carry things. And so what does hope carry? I want to cover three awesome things that hope covers or that carries with it. So let's check it out. Next part of the verse. Okay, so we hold to the hope that lies before us. And here's the first one. We can have great confidence. If I give you the first thing that hope carries with it, it's this. It has supernatural confidence. We have supernatural confidence, meaning it's not natural confidence that you should have in this world. It's something that God has produced within you. Some great confidence. It's completely different attitude in life. Uh, if I were to ask you, what normally helps us build confidence in life? You're probably going to point to one of two things. The two things that normally will help you build confidence. Knowledge and experience, right? If I know something about what I'm uh, to expect and experiencing it helps build confidence. Let me give you an example. My oldest daughter, this last uh, semester, she flew across country a couple times. And this was the first time she'd ever flown 
um, across the United States by herself. And so you want to know what I did? I, I, I called her. I talked to her on the phone. I talked her through all of the aspects of going through an airport by herself because she'd never done this. And she had like two or three layovers. You know, it was this crazy like trip all over. And so I'm like, all right, here's what you can expect. Here's where you're going to have to go along the way. And I talked her through it at least two, maybe three, maybe even four times so that she had knowledge before she went to it to give her a sense of confidence, right? Then what did she do? She experienced it. And then the following week when she flew across country again and she did all those stops again, what did she have? She had greater confidence. Why? Because she had knowledge and she had experience. Okay, in the same way, check this out. If you have knowledge about what God does with his children in regards to seasons of life or situations of life, it will give you confidence. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're in a financially tough spot. Well, what should you do? I would encourage you to find out what are God's promises to his children around the, the, the whole subject of finances. And what's my role as a child of God in, uh, in, in obedience to him in this? Because guess what? He's got 3,000 promises to us in scripture. And if we know what those promises are, uh, what we're going to actually have is confidence as we face those situations in life. And, and so what I should probably do is find out what does God say about his kids when we're facing financially difficult seasons in our lives. Second thing that you need to experience or you, that you can have is experience. I, if I experience something that helps build confidence, if others have experienced something before me and I learn from watching them or I hear of their story of their experience, that also builds confidence. Others' experience actually can propel my faith forward with confidence. Let's, let's just use that financially tough spot as an example. Let's say that uh, one of my close friends comes to me and says, hey, we were in a really tough financial spot as well, and you want to know what we did? We dove into scripture, and we found out that this is how God interacts with his kids when we're in financially tough spots. We, we learn to trust him. It's so counterintuitive. We learn to trust him and actually give. And as we, we started giving, we started giving maybe 10%. We started tithing. And as we did so, God provided us maybe with a job or a raise or whatever it is, and they've got stories connected to it. And you want to know what all of a sudden now I have? I have their experience propels my faith forward. One of the reasons why some of you lack confidence, are you ready for this? Is you don't know what God says around the many promises that he has for you and you don't have relationships with people who have experiences that can propel your faith forward. I know it seems so silly, but it always comes back to this. Read your Bible, get in a small group. Right? And I know it's like, like we talk about this all the time, and you're like, oh, it's like I'm cracking the code, but it's not cracking the code in any crazy way. It, there's 3,000 promises in God's word to you, and if you would know those, and if you had relationships with other people who are also experiencing those promises fulfilled in their life, it will propel your faith forward and build confidence. Are you tracking? Everyone alive? All right, good. I got to bring that back. I haven't said, are you tracking or are you alive in a long time? It's coming back. It's coming back. All right. Here we go. Next thing that hope carries. All right, we're just having fun today. All right. Is this played? I don't know what's happening right now. All right, we're just, see, if, if everyone was in the room, it would be so much, they would be all laughing. It would be, all right, were you all laughing? Put it in the chat. We're with you. You're tracking. Okay. Second thing. 
And I love this because this is where the beautiful imagery comes into this about what hope carries. It is a strong, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So this, the second thing that hope carries is this, it's supernatural security. I love this because we would think this idea of God being an anchor for us is, oh, it's all throughout scripture, but it's actually not. Are you aware that this place right here in Hebrews chapter 6 is the only place in the New Testament where it describes God as our anchor in terms of a spiritual relationship? And it's connected to this promise and it's connected to hope. I absolutely love this. Because an anchor, at least when you think of like an anchor on a boat, is an anchor keeps a boat safe and sure and secure And in the same way, you want to know what hope is? Hope is the stabilizing force in the life of a Christian. If I get you to just kind of think on that for a while, is that hope is the stabilizing force in the life of a Christian. It's meant to be that in your life. You want to know what you should be? You should be peculiar to everyone that you encounter, that when you're going through hard things, when the the storms of life are, are hitting you, people are sitting there going, you seem bizarrely stable. (laughs) And you'd say, yeah, I I have this hope and it's the stabilizing force in my life that makes no sense. It's a supernatural security that hope provides. It's an anchor for your life. Um, My... I don't know if you're like our family, but after this whole quarantine season, we had a handful of our kids needed haircuts. We, we all had what we call a quarantine hair. And it was all just kind of getting out of control. And my, uh, my youngest son, Brooks, he's five. His hair had grown down. It just falls straight. And it had grown right down over his eyes. He's walking around doing this. I don't have this problem at all, obviously. But he's walking around doing this, kind of looking through his hair. It's like this. And it's like he's living life through the haze of his hair. And then, of course, he gets a haircut, and now he can see life clearly, right? Here's the deal. We don't look at a life of hope through a haze. We, We see hope as an anchor for our souls, as supernatural security with great clarity, it's, it's an anchor for us. But I think there are way too many Christians that look at a life of hope as if it's ambiguous, as if it's hard to grasp, as if it's kind of like it's hazy. It's, I might get there. And I want to just declare this over you. Hope is not distant. Hope is not far from you. Hope is near. Hope is within reach. Hope is for you. It is your anchor for your soul. And it is not something that is hazy or out there. I'm telling you, there's clarity around it. If it seems hazy, once again, it probably goes back to the first one, which is that you lack the knowledge and you lack experience in which we've got to dive into God's promises and we've got to get ourselves surrounded with others who have experienced his provision and his promises in their life. But hope is not far. You can have hope today. In fact, you will have hope today. All right. The third thing, I'm just having fun here. Okay, third thing. No, not, not that. You gotta go to the verse first. Let's do the verse first. That's what I, I'm letting the cat out of the bat. Supernatural closeness. Okay, here is this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Okay, third thing that, that it offers us is this it's supernatural closeness. Okay, so now 
how in the world do I get supernatural closeness? He's talking about through the curtain. What's that all about? It says that hope leads us through the curtain into his sanctuary. What's he talking about? The imagery takes us back to the tabernacle, actually, which had its, this curtain. And it was the curtain shut off the most holy place, the holy place, the holy of holies. And there was this little room that symbolized the very presence of God. But ordinary people were not allowed to go there, okay, or enter it. Only the high priest could, and he only could once a year to make sacrifices for the people. And, but he's saying there's something different now in our relationship with God that happened specifically at the cross. See what the, check out what the cross accomplished. In Matthew chapter 27, it says this in verse 50. This is Jesus on the cross, and it says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, this is from the cross, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, why in the world is this significant, and why is it in Scripture? Why did it happen? This could be one of the most important pieces of Scripture that helps us understand what a relationship with God is all about, is simply in the tearing of this curtain because here's what happened while only the high priest could go behind the curtain once a year to make sacrifices for the people the curtain represented the separation from God's presence to just anybody only the high priest could go there so when the curtain tore there was so much that's being communicated in and symbolic in that moment here's a couple things old testament sacrificial system was being done away with in that moment why well you and I don't have to kill animals any longer and, uh, and go through that whole process. You're not probably bringing an animal to kill and n- none of you have probably done that. Why? Because Jesus laid down his life for us at the cross. He's referred to as the Lamb of God and he's the Lamb that was slain for our sins. Okay, Sacrificial systems done away with. Second is the practice of relationship between God and man changed in that moment. The need to go through a priest to God was done away with. Maybe some of you grew up and you went regularly uh, to confess, maybe to a, a priest, maybe confession was a part of your upbringing. Uh, if that was, here, let me just help you understand what, what had happened in those moments of what, when you were doing that. What you were doing is that's actually a part of the Old Testament sacrificial system that has been done away with, and it's no longer necessary. It's become a, it was a part of a ritual that was connected to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And when that's done away with, we no longer have to go through a priest. Now you and I can enter the Holy of Holies. We can enter into his presence, and we can have the supernatural closeness with God. So what's, if, if the practice of relationship has changed, what's the new practice? Here's how I would describe it. Psalm 145, it's this. The Lord is near to all who call on him. That's, that's the practice. Draw near to him. And he's going to draw near to you. That, that no longer is there this thing between us, but I can just go directly to him. And I can have this close relationship with him. The, the Old Testament was a religious, and check this out. The Old Testament sacrificial system was a religious system of following the law, doing what was right, but it was ultimately to build relationship, a right relationship between God and man. See, even the Old Testament religious system was all about relationship. But in the New Testament, no longer do I have to do, I have to do something to make myself right with God. Instead, it's what Jesus has done at the cross that makes me right with God. 
No longer am I striving in my own effort to make our relationship right with God. We trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross as the one who writes our relationship with God. Here's the deal. It's really hard, actually, to be close with the creator of the universe who made you through religiosity or through religion. But it is not hard to be close to him through relationship. And this is what he's invited us into, is into a close relationship with him. Man, that gives me such hope that I don't have to go through all this rigmarole to somehow maybe appease him, but I can just go straight to him and draw near to him and he'll be close to me. I don't know how many of you have been striving your whole life to try to somehow appease God. And today is the day that you can get off of that (laughs) cycle and get off that merry-go-round. And you can just enter into a close relationship. It's not about religion. It's about this relationship. And when the curtain was torn, he invited us in close. He said, this is for all. And it's through faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross that he became the final sacrifice for us. And for some of you today, you're going to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to say, all right, I want to be close to him. I don't want to go through religion to somehow get close to him. I want to go through this relationship that I can have through Christ Jesus to be close with him. And the hope that we have provides these supernatural things. I love it. Supernatural confidence, supernatural security, supernatural closeness. You know, it's almost seven years ago, my wife and I went through uh, a pretty significant trial in our life. Our daughter was born. She was born early, and um, she was in the NICU unit for multiple weeks. And probably for the first 10 days, all the news we got was bad. It was just all bad news. She had a hole in her heart, hole in her lungs. All the, I mean, she's, she, they were medicating her basically to keep her totally sedated so that all these things could heal. And it was just really difficult. And um, I remember during that whole season, though, I, I, I had hope. Like, supernatural hope. Supernatural confidence. Supernatural security. Supernatural closeness. And the only way I can describe it is it's all found in Jesus. It's I had this anchor from my life. And, and that's for all of us because we're all going to face times in our life when it seems like the storms of life just nail us. And you're going to ha- need these things. And he goes, I offer it. And in fact, he makes a promise. This is available to you. I want you to all just, maybe, maybe for you, you can close your eyes. Don't fall asleep on me at home. But let me give you an image that I just want you to Im- imagine in your head. I want you to imagine an ocean. And a, and a big boulder out there by the edge of the ocean. Life, your life, will be lived out there standing on that boulder. And there will be seasons of your life when storms come in from the sea and it seems like you, uh, the waves are crashing upon that boulder where you're standing like moment after moment after moment after moment. And then there are other seasons in life where it's like there's no storms, it's beautiful, and the, the occasional wave comes on in and crashes over this boulder. But here's the beauty of this. This boulder has an anchor that's just anchored right into it, and there's a rope that comes up that you hold on to. And that rope, you want to know what it gives you? It gives you confidence. As you stand there on this boulder, you're like, hey, now that I've got this anchor for, for, my, for me on this thing, when the, when the wave comes, i got this sense of confidence. I'm going to make it through this wave. And I've got this anchor that's secure. And not only am I standing there with this rope standing on, on this boulder, 
but I have Jesus standing right beside me. And you want to know what he's doing? He's holding that rope, and he's got his other arm right around me, holding me close to it. Now, why is his hand on the rope? Because he's holding to the 3,000 promises that God has made. He said, all these promises are still good. I'm holding on to them, and I'm holding on to you, and I want you to experience all these promises, and I'm going to hold you to them. It's this beautiful, I I don't know, I just keep getting this picture like this is what life will be like. Yes, there will be seasons when it's like we're in the middle of a storm and in the middle of that storm, you want to know what he offers you? He offers you this promise, it's this thing called hope where you are, you have this bizarre confidence and you have this, because you're anchored to the rock and you have Jesus beside you who's going, all these promises are true. And so I just want to pray for you and uh, that as we close this service, that this might be an image that you hold on to and go, this is what hope's going to be like in my life. And so the, the, the worship team is going to end with the song, Anchor. I know you're anxious to hear it, but I want to pray uh, for every one of you as we kind of conclude this, this, or as I conclude my message. And there's some of you who right now, you want to shift from a life of religion to a life of relationship. And that's the first and starting step for you. And so uh, would you just bow your heads with me wherever you're at? And uh, would you pray with me? If you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you want to experience this promise that provides this almost irrational hope, I don't, I don't hope so, I know so. That's biblical hope that just lands so deep on my heart. It starts with relationship with Jesus and starts by just a simple prayer like this, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to lay down his life for me at the cross. Maybe I always knew he died on the cross, but now I recognize that he did this as a payment for my sin. I put my faith in what Jesus did there. That no longer do I have to try to live my life perfectly to try to make you happy with me. But I trust in what Jesus did And now I walk with you through life based out of relationship. And I want to walk in obedience to you in that. Lord, as we continue praying, I pray for the many people who perhaps feel like they're right now in the middle of the storm. They're standing on the boulder, but they are in the middle of a storm. It's like a wave is hitting them every second. And and perhaps up to this moment, they were going, I don't know if I can handle another one. And I'm telling you right now, and in faith, you're agreeing that you can handle dozens more waves. You can handle a hundred more waves because your heart is anchored to Jesus. You are holding on to the promises of God and Jesus is standing beside you as you're handling all those things that you now do it with confidence. You do it with security and you do it with a closeness of a relationship with God. And so Lord, carry us through this storm with great confidence for you are our anchor. And I have a hope because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting lakeland.church. give